Welcome back to another riveting edition of Spandex Planet, the podcast. Um, it has been a pretty slow week. Um, I did have one of the uh, primary antagonists, protagonists? I don't know. I'm fucking stupid. I, I don't know the... Di- oh, wait. Antagonist is the... Bad guy protagonist is a good guy. One of the one of the protagonists of a lot of the stories here. Um, good old Mikey. Uh, him and his lady flew in uh, from uh, the south and uh, came and came and hung out. And I, you know, I wanted to give him a guest spot on this here cast. And uh, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. However, um, I. I do have uh, some riveting words from him. Uh, that's going to be a theme of this of this podcast is riveting. Um, I do have some words he wanted to, to, to leave you with. While not necessarily uh, professional wrestling related, it is still um, something to think about. So uh, without further ado, here's Mike. too long yeah um so there was uh, a guest spot from mike uh it's been a long time coming 14 episodes in and, and here we are i i think we can all agree i mean if you if you would have seen the video um it, it would have made a lot of sense watching mike uh pretend to get sucked up into the air but we we had a good time. We hung out. We chatted about wrestling. We watched we watched parts of of the backyard, which is one of the best documentaries. I've referenced it a few times, and we're gonna kind of focus on that this this episode because I just rewatched the whole thing through, and it's it's really a masterpiece. Really, it, it's it's one of the best documentaries ever made, in my opinion, and it especially if you like wrestling, it's. Uh, it's good stuff. <clears throat> Mike and I also were in a parking garage and we were practicing or, or showing off because it was Mike and his girl. I don't know why I always say his name with a southern accent. Uh, but so it was Mikey and his his girlfriend, uh, fiance actually, uh, myself and my girlfriend, fiance actually, and uh, his fiance's brother and his fiance actually, and you know. Mike and I are attention whores, so we we really wanted to have the spotlight put on us, and um, we were in a fantastic 
parking garage that smelled a little bit like urine, and we were kind of showing folks. I, if you, if you recall the the podcast where I spoke about striking specifically, we decided to show off some of our striking techniques and uh, maneuvers for everybody. So, what we did is we had Mikey's fiance um, record us and. <clears throat> We decided to just throw some strikes at each other. So Mikey said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a forearm. I'm going to do a spinning back elbow and then a flying knee and just sell it really well. Um, so I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll play that video uh, first just so you could hear the audio. And then and then I'll post the video uh, to my Twitter, at um, SpandexPod. Go ahead and give it a follow, like all my statuses. Uh, so here's a video. Shit. Instagram, dude. Uh, here we go. Forearm. Back elbow. Oh, and the knee. And the reason that you hear the oh and the giggles is because what we found out is it's pretty tough to um, pull a flying knee. So what happened is he ended up kneeing me in my fucking jaw and splitting my lip open. Um, and I bled um, all over a, <laughs> a parking garage. So, hey man, it reminded me of the old days. Still have a little bit of a headache and my jaw's a little uh, sore. Uh, we haven't been in the ring in probably seven or eight years. So that's that's a little taste of, of, of Holostars just being reckless. We're reckless youth. And I'll post that to my Twitter so that everybody can watch me get injured uh, in real time and just show some appreciation for my lip that's super swollen right now. Very difficult to talk. Jaw's a little sore. I'm actually a big boy, and he <laughs> fucking threw a knee, and that's, you know, that's my fault, uh, truthfully. It looked good, though. Great uh, great sell. Potentially getting my jaw <laughs> dislocated and splitting my lip open. Uh, <clears throat> I was watching... Uh, I sometimes I just pick a random thing on on the network and watch like a random match or whatever. Do you remember Joy Giovanni? That was such a weird like thing. She like never wrestled. She was in like the Diva Search. I think this was around 2004 maybe, and she never really did anything. She had some weird like romantic relationship with the Big Show, and she was involved in JBL's cabinet like opposing them or whatever. That was super weird. She had really annoying theme music, which I don't even know why she had theme music because she never wrestled at all. I don't think she was... I think she was just a model, and that's sort of what the the Diva Search bred. Um, but her theme music, look it up on YouTube. It's like, ooey, 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 and it sounds really hilarious. It sounds like it'd be uh, <laughs> like a Japanese... Uh, wrestling girls theme uh anyway <clears throat> just happened to see something with her on there and it was it was definitely i forgot about her that was a really weird weird time in in wrestling um aside from watching those random things i also uh did a full watch of the backyard um this was a documentary it came out in 2002 i believe they filmed it in 2001 slash 2002 uh by and it's by Paul Hugh, Paul Howe. Um, I don't really know his name. I'm really conscious of the fact that I'm saying um a lot in this in this episode. It's probably because I have a a, a concussion and CTE now from 
uh, a flying knee. But I, I watched that whole thing through, and that was one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, Mikey and I used to just sit and watch that I, uh, repeatedly, just all the time. Uh, it was it was it was our favorite thing to watch. We still quote it, and uh, you know, obviously, we've passed on its its gloriousness to to the likes of of Zachary, who are. Is, you know, I've I've referenced before was our our manager JQD back in the wrestling days, and uh, I decided to rebuy it because I we obviously used to have it, but n- neither of us could find it. Find it on Amazon for like I don't know twelve bucks, and it was actually the the seller was the lizard, the the infamous lizard, uh, number one eighteen Andrew Cook. From from Tough Enough season two, um, you remember his video? Pl- they played it. They like a highlight package on SmackDown in two thousand two, uh, hyping Tough Enough two and the contestants and the lizards on there. Uh, from relatively close to our hometown, Modesto, California, was where he like wrestled. I think he's from like Lodi or something like that. Uh, but uh, Mikey and I are actually from that area, so it was really hilarious to watch the backyard and i believe mikey's the one who found it first and and let me watch it and then it would just we became obsessed with it but um the lizard is really the the star of the show just like a skinny little backyard dude and at one point we actually got his phone number somehow because we're insane and we used to call him and talk to him and he still wrestled <laughs> in the in the yard uh despite having professional training and he was the same old lovable character it the backyard is just one of those like cult things uh, i feel like it does have a pretty you know halfway decent following i think it was pretty popular when it came out and it's really this guy travels across the united states and just tries to get in touch with like really popular backyard wrestling uh promotions i guess uh they're not companies, but you know, they're, they're little feds and, and talk to the, the people and try to talk to the parents and just get a feel around this time. Uh, backyard wrestling was really, really big. I think it got really big in the nineties, like the late nineties. And this is sort of the tail end of the backyard wrestling hysteria. It was on TV all the time on like new shows and Dr. Phil and shit like that. And this DVD really captures, captures, <laughs> what it what it was and and actually inspired us to backyard wrestle even more which is hilarious because i think the idea is not only touching on its popularity but also kind of cautioning it's a cautionary tale if you will just a really well done documentary and there's a pretty major sense of nostalgia around it because of the fact that it came out around the time when we were just so obsessed with wrestling. That's all we like lived and breathed. And plus it was just hilarious. Some of these people, man, it is, it's unbelievable uh, what wrestling fans can, can be. So we're going to touch on that a ton. Uh, but before we do, let's do a little ad break. This episode of the pod brought to you by Gary Swan Incorporated. Gary Swan is an entertainment company uh, famously known for its YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gary Swan, has a lot of interesting 
videos on there. This company focuses on quantity over quality. There's merchandise. They are looking for talent at all times. If you're interested in getting into the comedy field and really saturating the market, saturating YouTube. Gary Swan is your guy. He's a very, very influential businessman, and his company really breeds the best talent on the internet. So if you're interested, youtube.com slash Gary Swan, give him a comment. Uh, you can get in touch with him, Gary Swan 2018 at gmail.com. And we're back. Also, guys, if you'd like to support the pod, Help me put out some more stuff. Maybe get some guests on here. If you go to anchor.com slash spandex pod or spandex planet pod, just search anchor for spandex planet and uh, you can you can go ahead and, and support and maybe finance me getting some guests on here and chatting with some other indie guys uh, or getting a better mic or taking some speech therapy so that I don't say um so much, you know? That is up to you, uh, but it is on the Anchor website. So without further ado, let's kind of get into the backyard here. So uh, this gentleman starts out in Las Vegas, Nevada, and there's two brothers and their mom, and they literally wrestle outside and just have this weird like pit match, and there's barbed wire and there's fire and one of the brother, the mom like helps them record and she's their manager and the girlfriend is, is there and he gets power bombed into a f- pit. It's like a pit, three stages of hell, which was really big in 2001. And he gets power bombed and lands on the top of his fucking head on a barbed wire piece of plywood that's on fire. And he gets all screwed up and they go to the hospital and that's really how <clears throat> this, this documentary kicks things off and it's, it's, it would be pretty like shocking to see, I think, if you had never seen Backyard Wrestling before and were just checking this out. I, I really feel like this is like a niche audience, and I don't know who would watch it if aside from wrestling fans, but you know, maybe there was someone out there who had never seen Backyard Wrestling and saw that, and that's, that's a great way to, to kick things off. Um, then he travels to California uh, to pretty close to our hometown in Modesto, California, and see... Uh, a, a group of kids who wrestle, they have like a ring built and it's, it's a more of a professional setup. Not that it's professional by any means, but in comparison to wrestling, like outside, it's pretty intense. There's a really funny scene just to backtrack a little where he's talking to his, <laughs> the, the Las Vegas kids are talking to their grandma and explaining, um, what they're going to do to each other. And it's the most hilarious thing. Just imagining describing to your grandmother, getting hit with a barbed wire baseball bat. So funny. Anyway, so we go over to Modesto, California, and that's where we first meet the lizard man. Um, excellence, determination, knowledge, I believe is his catchphrase, desire, something like that. I just watched it. I should know this. And, uh, you really just get to, to look at this magnificent human being, in the flesh and you see him wrestle and do a, he takes it very seriously. He wrestles with a group of, of younger guys who don't seem to give a shit about a lot. They just want to have a good time. He takes it very seriously, says he's going to be the best in the world. Does a swanton bomb off a ladder through a plywood table, cuts his head and says, wrestle night fake. 
And just from that first shot, you could just tell this guy's going to be a superstar. Why he never did anything past this just really perplexes me because there's not a lot of people in the world like him. Um, and, you know, we travel to his home and you see all of his, honestly, a very impressive figure collection. I would love to have that. But, I mean, his entire room is lying. Like, the amount of money he must have spent on that, considering he just wrestled in the backyard and worked at a pizza place which he, he references that he's got the, the pizza business backing him up. If this wrestling dream doesn't make it, you know, um, and that's a really hilarious and I, I'm pretty sure it was intentional, but he just talks about how much he wants to like earn the WWF at the time championship. And he's got the pizza business backing him up. And then he says, um, you know, I, I'm going to go to police Academy and, and that's, you know, I got that backing me up. And then it flashes and it says, the lizard did not make it into the police academy, which is really hilarious. Uh, and they, they they stick around that area and there's like a kid who's like 17. And this is the, the absolute greatest scene. This this whole documentary is a, is a fucking gem. But this scene in particular is is the the diamond in the rough here. Um, so they go, there's this guy named Josh James, like the 17 year old kid who, who runs it like a business. These, all these like Okies as we call them are wrestling for him and are just like, really feel like they're on a real promotion. And he talks about how you have to be a backyard wrestler before you get into, <laughs> before you get into independent wrestling. And that's how every indie guy does it. This is where it starts. And, uh, there's beautiful Bobby Lee, of course, and the destroyer. And, uh, Bobby Lee has like some hair and it's not Bobby Lee, the comedian, uh, from tiger belly. It's, uh, a skinny white kid, probably like 15 stupid as shit. Dumb as a box of rocks. And he gets power bombed through a flaming table. And there's just like this Mexican guy with no shirt on. And he's like watching. And I'm not sure if he's there, like just like he was walking by or if he's like a wrestling fan and like wanted to come check this out or wanted to wrestle. I don't really know what it was, but he gets super offended and the that this kid got powerbombed through a flaming table and uh Bobby Lee's on the ground after that and like screaming he's like mommy you know doing the 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 Mick Foley thing and some kid laughs and this Mexican guy laughs back and he goes ha oh, shut the fuck up uh, which just we used to do all the time to each other it's very funny and then he pulls the promoter in air quotes aside and he's trying to like reprimand him for lighting someone on fire. And they're like arguing about it. And, you know, he's like, man, like he's on fire, you know, like, is it okay for your dad to see someone get caught on fire? And then the Bobby Lee kid walks up and he goes, man, what happens if your hair gets caught on fire, man? And Bobby Lee says, uh, no gel or moose. The guy goes, okay, but still, what if? And Bobby Lee goes, <laughs> well, it'll burn. And that guy goes, are you stupid or what? And I'm not doing it justice. If you watch that scene, it is one of the most hilarious interactions I've ever seen in my life. Hands down. It's so good. Uh, and that, that shit kills me, dude. So funny. Uh, and then they go to uh, like upstate New York and there's some kids that wrestle and all their teachers are supportive and whatever they that i'm not that interested in them they talk about how they don't want to do like deathmatch wrestling but they light shit on fire and do the same type of shit <clears throat> but they wrestle on a trampoline there's one part where a kid gets like he like 
does a something through a bunch of like a stacked uh, group of stack tables and he gets like dust in his eye and he that's their their worst injury you know and we go to like Arizona and there's just these like it's crazy how much just like like Okies we call them Okies like not that they're from Oklahoma but it's just what we call like really really trashy like southern people we call them Okies and it's it's crazy how many Okies there actually are just everywhere because so we're there in arizona and you get chaos this like fat kid with a like a home improvement haircut the older brother uh they all a lot of them have that haircut actually there's carnage who actually was in the backyard wrestling like video games he and, and on the backyard wrestling like official dvds uh but <clears throat> they're just they just talk about their shit and they, they like light each other on fire and use like real barbed wire and cut their heads open and shit there's a guy that wrestles there, does a really like sideways moonsault, and they go, good job, Heartless. We used to say that to each other all the time, every time we did anything. And he's an elementary school teacher at Laguna Elementary, but you know he's got he's got the heart for wrestling. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing those people interact are just so bizarre, man. Like, they're just so, like, stupid and dumb, and they just they say dumb shit. The, the girl says the girl. So the chaos, the kid who kind of runs the thing, he, he cuts his head. And, and previously in the documentary, he says like, you can take a bunch of aspirin when you blade with a razor blade. And if you take aspirin, it'll thin out your blood and you'll bleed a lot. He's like, yeah, I don't do that. I need all the blood in my veins. Cut to next scene. He took a bunch of aspirin and cut his head and he fucking blood everywhere. And he's like, he's already pale, but he's like extra pale. Um, and he's, just super out of it and he talks about he's like oh like i said i didn't take aspirin well i did and i bled a lot and then they're cleaning themselves up after their match and the girlfriend's like saying they're afraid of something is like saying i'm black (laughs) it ain't true and i just like the older i get and the more i hear that it's just unbelievable that that's a real person like just unfucking believable uh especially in arizona i feel like they would they should live in i don't know deep south texas nothing against those people but you know it's what it is um then we go to the uk somewhere and these kids you know actually much better actual wrestlers adam yarbrough i remember that kid's name he gets he blades and he can't stop bleeding um and then it just kind of shows them hanging out and having a good time um an overarching like theme of this is rob van dam is actually does some guest commentary spots and they interview him for it. And he talks about how he's pro backyard wrestling. He's just not pro like the crazy dumb shit, like deathmatch wrestling. And it's, you know, people who shit on backyard wrestling, but then watch deathmatch stuff. It just doesn't, it's the same thing. Um, it's just, there's just more people there. Usually that's the only difference to me, but Van Dam talks about that and just, uh, does some, some, just some social commentary on it in general. Uh, then we refocus back on the lizard and he actually gets in with a, <clears throat> a company like a, an indie company and they want to make him the golden dragon. And there's another gold scene where he's just eating big Mac and fries and he's just talking about how he just like, doesn't want to wrestle them. And then they interview the guys he's supposed to wrestle. And he's like, yeah, like I totally trust him. Like it's, he's trained well enough or well, he says good enough, but you know, and, uh, he talks about how he don't want to be no damn golden dragon. And he feels like the guy he's going to wrestle is a shoot fighter. And he's afraid he's going to get hurt. He's like, well, and he has indigestion the whole time. And he says, well, I, 
I'll tell I got a backup plan. Don't broke my knee playing basketball. And I'm really sorry. Uh, so he does that apparently and doesn't wrestle for the indie company. However, he does audition for tough enough season two, along with those kids from Nevada and, uh, their tapes get accepted. Um, and they really focus on the lizard going to Las Vegas and being one of the 250 top finalists. And it's just an inspiring story. And then of course he doesn't make it past that. And he really thought he would. And it's just back to reality. And he goes to wrestling school and trains at a place in Sacramento, California. And they, they have footage of his, his debut match. And he wears a black t-shirt. And then uh, things kind of wrap up after that. And it's just like, I always want to follow up of all those people. We, we like tried to research. Some of them like backyard wrestled for a long time. Some of them actually went to the indies and wrestled. Um, there's a guy named Scar who's deaf. <laughs> Scar's it's really very insensitive of me. But he's uh, he's deaf, and they show him like buying some weapons, and how his dad's like the superintendent of schools and supports him. And uh, it's it's one of those man. I could watch that documentary over and over. I always felt like it was so long, but I watched it. It's only like an hour and a half, and it's it's well worth the twelve dollars. And the fact that I bought it from the lizard makes me feel so good that I'm supporting him. He has like a daughter and. <laughs> He never did anything in wrestling. He just keeps backyard wrestling. And then it's uh, it's sad in a way, but also I, when you think about backyard wrestling versus indie wrestling, <clears throat> I feel like this is one of the biggest disconnects. It's like in backyard wrestling, it's like you and your friends, you go through all the work of like building your own ring and buying like gear and creating characters and doing shows and recording and editing and whatever. And there's like a really big sense of accomplishment. And also you're your own boss there and you can kind of do anything you want, right? And it's so much fun. And you think this is what real wrestling is going to be like, except you get paid and everything's going to be peachy. And it's just unfortunately not, not how it is. And I think that's why a lot of people fall out, like getting into actual like indie wrestling, depending on where you are. And I've talked about it before. It's just like people aren't cool. They disparage you. They talk shit to you. And I know there's like a paying your dues thing, but it's just so controlled. And I think you lose a lot of the the creativity. And don't get me wrong. It's not everywhere. But I do feel like there is a disconnect. Um, I, can, I can speak freely for what happened with, with old Mike and I. It's like we were so invested in our backyard wrestling stuff. I, I mean – editing storylines everything and then when you get into real wrestling especially in the south and those dudes you just can't do whatever you want it's just tough especially when you're young and it's it's not as fun honestly there's a lot of politics and just bullshit and it's just not as fun and and we had fun times don't don't get me wrong and there were a lot of things that were better than backyard wrestling but there's still like big backyard in air quotes uh wrestling like like companies like that actual indie guys wrestle at because it's just fun. You just fuck around. I think that's how beyond wrestling kind of started. Um, and as long as you're safe, I definitely feel like backyard wrestling is a great way to get into things because despite what people will say, you can definitely learn a lot, um, about moves and, and movements and things like that without going to wrestling school. Honestly, like if you're a huge fan, you get a really good idea of how things work. And so when you do actually start getting trained, you generally are a few steps ahead of somebody who has never done it. And so I don't condone like 
pile driving somebody through a table or anything, but just wrestling like in a ring in the, in, in a homemade ring is, I think is actually beneficial to those who want to take, you know, the next step into, into wrestling school. Um, that's just my opinion, but I think that some of the, the facts truly lie where they, where they are. I, I think a lot of really successful indie guys were backyard wrestlers and a lot of guys who were in WWE now were backyard wrestlers. And that's kind of just how it works, man. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. It's also up to the person and not everybody makes it. I think more people are making it now than, than before, but you know, at the end of the day, it is up to the person, like I said, and, and I just think it gives you a good, and that might be a controversial opinion, but I do think it gives you a good foundation for actually being a professional wrestler. Aside from backyard wrestling, uh, this week in WWE was the first week that Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman took over SmackDown and Raw, respectively, as executive directors. And I think I watched the highlights of SmackDown. I did end up watching most of Raw. It's, it's tough sometimes, man, in the real world to sit for three hours and watch watch that. But I did it. And, man, I will say, like, it, I think Raw had definitely had a lot of Paul Heyman feeling. We opened the show with Braun Strowman tackling Bobby Lashley through the stage. A lot of explosions. Very, very Paul Heyman-y to me. And the fact that AJ Styles and Ricochet was the main event is fucking awesome. Like, those are two of the best wrestlers on earth, most entertaining at the very least. And I love that they're giving Carl Anderson and Luke Gallo something to do again. They never, they shouldn't have split up the club um, when they did anyway. So putting them back together, I think, makes sense. AJ Styles as a heel works. And especially going after someone like Ricochet, they're going to have fucking awesome matches. It's It's fantastic. Still don't love Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin's thing. Hopefully that ends after Extreme Rules, but is what it is. Um, other than that, on, on SmackDown, which is uh, apparently Bischoff's show, it was definitely interesting to, to have the main event end with a tag team title implications match, but I do like that tag titles or, or tag teams in general are really kind of um, being looked at uh, in a bigger way, I guess. I don't know, but Daniel Bryan and Rowan holding, holding the belts adds a little bit of staying power for sure. I love that we got to see Andrade on TV and you know, all in all they were, it was good. A couple of good weeks, good weeks of wrestling. Um, not a lot of complaints. I, I think it's better than, than it has been. There's obviously things that I would change, but I think everybody feels like that. Everybody feels like, you know, armchair booking and at the end of the day, there's reasons and people like things and people don't like things. And that's just how shows are. I don't love everything always. Like, for example, uh, season three of Stranger Things comes out. And this is how I think about shows. Overall, love the show. Love the atmosphere. Love the acting. Love the characters. Love what happens. So season three comes out. I watched the first episode and there was definitely things I didn't like and things that I'm like, okay, I wouldn't have done that. And that's very similar to wrestling. Um, overall, like I'm going to watch the whole season and I, I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it. But I just feel like people get this like visceral feeling about, especially WWE, and they just think it sucks because, I don't know, Baron Corbin's in the main event. Like, look, I don't give a fuck about Baron Corbin either, but it doesn't make me hate WWE. It's just... They're doing something I don't like at the moment. 
Uh, but wrestling fans are kind of babies, man, and I'm 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 in that group, so I feel comfortable saying that. It it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of I kind of excited to see the direction WWE goes in. AEW, like I said, hopefully is like real competition for them, and I think. I don't know, man. I think that that's good because without competition, companies can kind of do whatever they want and there's no repercussions. And I don't know. We'll see. I mean, landing on TNT obviously gives them, makes them legitimate competition. Uh, Wednesday night dynamite is the word on the street for the show. Wednesday nights is is awesome. It's going to be a great night for wrestling. You got AEW and NXT and, yeah, I'm just excited for October. And speaking of NXT, um, we're in the breakout tournament, and we got to see Cameron Grimes, old, previously Trevor Lee versus Isaiah Swerve Scott, previously Shane Strickland. Great match. I love Shane Strickland's uh, theme music, and he's super cool. He does a bunch of really like creative shit. And it was interesting to see uh, uh, Cameron Grimes um, get... Get the win there. Um, it, solid match. I'm really into this breakout tournament. I always love when you get a batch of indie guys that used to like that get signed. And I think the the breakout tournament's a really, really good idea to get their name out there and get people excited. Pretty anxious to see how that one turns out. I try not to read a ton of spoilers. And um, yeah, man, I mean, great, great week for wrestling. We're just like a week away from Fight for the Fallen. And um so to kind of close things off, I know we've been like all over the place this episode, but this is what happens when your brain's just scrambled. Um, I'm going to talk about gear just because I don't need a whole episode to talk about it, but definitely a quick little story about getting our, our first gear made, I think would be good. When, when I started wrestling, I just bought a, well, we always used to do this. So when we backyard wrestle, we would just go on high spots or e-lucha and just buy their pre-made gear. And just wear it. So Mikey had some a couple pairs of biker shorts that he used to wear. We bought high spots, kick pads, and that's just typically the indie way. Um, I was a little bit out of shape, so I, I ended up buying a singlet from high spots, just a pre-made one, nothing custom, had some zebra stripes on it. Looked like shit on me because it was a little big um, with just some high spots, kick pads, and I tried to make a gimmick out of it or like Lady Gaga glasses. They're basically like aviators with zebra stripes, had zebra stripe singlet, black with just white and black zebra stripes, maybe some silver on there. Looked terrible. Okay, I guess, for, for being a heel. But then when they put Mikey and I together, we wanted to have some matching semblance. So we got like gold kick pads with, with red on them. And we sold the black ones and we each kind of mixed and matched. So we matched a little better. And then I just ended up going to like, I didn't have a lot of money. So ended up going to, um, gosh, where did we go? Oh, it's called Academy Sports. And I just bought like an Asics like kids wrestling singlet that was like black with some red on there. And I thought it looked pretty cool other than the Asics logo. And I wrestled on that a lot for like over a year. Um, just because we, our themes were kind of like red and black for colors and that we, we matched a little bit, I think. Um, and so wrestled that a lot, but we just looked like trash baggy, really. Honestly, it just looked cheap. And as a tag team, I really wanted gear that that matched. And so 
Definitely not cheap. And really what we should have done is we should have just saved up our 10 to $15 paydays. And instead of going out to uh, Steak and Shake afterwards and spending it on food, we should have just been putting it in the bank so we could grab a few pairs of gear and, and look more like professionals. But hey, when you're 20 years old, is what it is. Um, so we ended up doing some research and trying to find a good gear maker. And Easy Money was recommended to us. Easy Money used to wrestle... Um, for ECW, WCW as Jason Jett. I'm not sure if he had a WWE appearance or not, but also just a pretty big indie guy. And uh, Easy Tights was, I mean, a lot of people used him. And I feel like it was probably more popular in the early 2000s or like mid 2000s, but he designed some good looking gear. So I, I believe we ended up selling some shit and, and getting enough money. We, we reached out to him, got a quote. We actually drew our own gear, and, and now I would probably have a designer actually design it and then have somebody create it. But we drew our own gear. We were really debating on colors, and, and we were going to get like two or three, you know, pieces of gear made. Um, I wanted to stick with the singlet. Just I thought it looked cool. Rob Van Dam is my guy, and also you know, body image issues as a young man. So I wanted to stick with that. Um, I ended up getting a pair of really nice kick pads for my birthday from the girl I was with at the time. Uh, one of the only good things she ever did, but that was cool. Uh, had like, there's black with a white outline from high spots. And then, um, Mikey had his black, just nice black ones from high spots. So we were solid there. We had good knee pads. We, you know, those weren't too expensive. We were able to grab some of those. Uh, I think they were trace knee pads. Uh, like Ric Flair style. And uh, other than that, like wrist tape, you could buy anywhere, you know, Walmart, sports places. I used to use black electrical tape too because it looked pretty cool. And uh, taped up my fingers because I was a damn shooter. Uh, just wore some wrestling shoes that I had had for a long time. And we drew our gear. And, and Mikey created like a cool, like just weird abstract like logo design. We both put our names on the butts. Uh, they were black, we decided on. Um, for the first pair, they were going to be black with like a silver outline uh, with blue like tones also in certain designs. And then we wanted some gear that was like purple and some that was red. So we got a quote. And for the bikers that, that Mikey wanted and the singlet that I wanted, I believe it ended up being, I mean, they were like 150 to... 200 each maybe so I, it was a lot um so that kind of shot down our plans for getting a few pieces made and i'm like you know let's we can just start out with one so we reached out to him and and basically how this works is we drew the picture um we uploaded it and scanned it in and sent it to him and he was like yeah i can i mean i can totally do that um just you know take your measurements so we measured each other sent those off he asked some clarifying questions like, do you want this on the side or the front? You know, because we drew in two dimensions because, you know, we're not talented. And um, basically he was like, yeah, I, I mean, I can have it done in this amount of time for this price. So we paid him and we just did not hear anything back for a long time, I remember. And we were so like, hey, man, like just checking on that. And he just wasn't communicative. And I really, a few times, like, he was reputable. But I just thought, like, maybe this is the one time he's going to fuck us over. <laughs> and we're just not going to get our shit. And I think the timeline we wanted was, like, two weeks. And, you know, he let us know he was a little backed up. So he'd try. 
So then it was two weeks and he was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not done yet. And then it was three weeks and I'm not done yet. And then after a month, we're like, hey, man, like we have a big show coming up. This was like right around like the time where the PPW place was doing that tournament, that new company that we were going to be uh, in in singles matches. And we're like, hey, we got a big show coming up or a couple of them. And, you know, we'd love to get this stuff as soon as possible. And he was just kind of, I feel like he gave us some pushback. I don't remember. I just remember being frustrated and then almost maybe saying like, hey, why don't we just get our money back? But eventually he came through and sent the stuff out. Took over a month for sure. It took a long time, but we got it and it looked fucking awesome. So it was fine. It was worth it. And I remember being so stoked and putting it on for the first time. And I remember we like went and got haircuts and shit and we looked dope. It was the first time we looked like a tag team and I felt like a true professional. And it's crazy how just like getting some gear really makes you feel better like I just felt more confident in my performance and 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 in myself and we went to that new company and you know there was probably 20 people at the show but we looked fucking awesome and then it just like gave us more confidence like everywhere we got booked we looked like a tag team we grabbed some like entrance gear some like matching white like hoodies and we just looked cool you know um and, and you know Zach had like a suit and he would put that on and we just we looked like a legitimate like unit and, and I feel like that's what really started to make us look popular. And I think people underestimate the the gear depending on your character. Like, I just feel like your gear is, is really an expression of yourself and makes you stand out. And if there's any advice I would give is like, I know it makes sense to just be cheap and, and maybe wear some like legit, like go to like, a, like what we did, go to Academy Sports and buy a singlet or buy some of those like running tights and just use those. But Man, it's truthfully present yourself the way that you want to be, you know, taken. It's it was really a game changer to actually wear gear that was professionally made that made us look professional. I feel like we got more eyes on us. We felt better, and we just looked like fucking professionals. And I I, I can't stress enough. I think if you're gonna go to wrestling school, obviously the most important thing is learning how to safely, you know, work someone and and you know, get the basics down. But past that, I just think you should look like a, like a wrestler, man, but get some tights, spend some money. Um, it'll be worth it in the long run. And, um, I, like, I know some guys that spent a lot of money when they first broke in. And I, I do feel, I mean, they looked like professionals, which gets you more bookings because you look good. And, um, I know some guys that had been wrestling for 10 years that still wore just like we used to call them trash bag gear just like really shitty made shittily yeah maybe shittily shittily made gear or just like running tights with like those like academy sports like martial arts contact kick pads and they just looked bad and they were good wrestlers but they looked bad and and i think people underestimate like i said getting nice gear made definitely a piece of advice i would i would expect some some folks to take with them and I mean, obviously it depends on the gimmick. If your gimmick is like a, like a Jamie Noble type, type thing. Um, I don't know why I use him. It's just because I was just watching something with him, but you know, you're like a trailer park. So-and-so and you wear like jean shorts and a like muscle shirt, like just incredible. You know, I shit, man, that makes sense. But it's, it's definitely gotta, gotta play your gimmick too. Um, but whatever your gimmick is, you should definitely 
look the part. Like if your gimmick is just that you're a wrestler or whatever it may be, and you're wearing like track pants and those like shitty foam kick pads, like I said, from, from big five sporting goods, like, I don't know. Like you just don't look the part really. You look like a backyard. You look like you're not a professional. Um, spend the money. It's worth it. There's so many awesome like designers and gear makers out there now. It's, it's, there's, there's really no excuse. You, you just have to, it, it should be to me, it should be part of the curriculum after you, you know, get out of wrestling school, you learn the, or, you know, I mean, learn the basics and you're ready to like actually work a match. I feel like the next step should be certainly like figuring out a character and, and working on that with your trainer, but then also buying some gear that should really be part of the curriculum. And I know it costs money, but Hey man, shit costs money. Like my hobby right now is jujitsu and it costs me a shitload of money because I'm always buying spats sometimes just by choice. Cause they look cool, which are like those long tights. You got to buy, you know, tight fitting shirts for no gi. If you're doing gi, you have to buy the gi and like it costs money. It's just, it's just what it is. And then eventually over time you work so that you make money doing it. But I think you got to definitely put the right foot forward and, and looking the part is definitely really, really important. Um, you know, looking back, like we, we bought that gear and there were times we had money to buy more and we had certainly talked about it, but we just were young and we just wanted to buy, buy like booze and hang out. Um, and now that I'm a little older, I, I would probably, you know, hindsight's 2020, but I probably would have focused more on some gear. Um, we, we definitely like trained a lot and worked out a lot, but we also had like poor diets. Like there's so many things looking back that I would have done. And just thinking about gear, it's really nice to have the gear. It just makes you feel good. It's like when you get like a new haircut and like new clothes and you do it, wear it for the first time. Maybe that's just me. But that's, you know, you just have that level of confidence and that can, that can make your match look that much better, man. And just make you stand out. I think that's all I have to say about gear. Obviously I'm very passionate about that. And even like in my daily life now, I really like, like fashion and look in a particular way, but whatever. Um, I do have some stuff on the agenda for next week. I want to talk about like seminars and things like that. And this week was a pretty like crazy kind of all over the place episode but after watching the backyard that documentary i really really wanted to talk about it plus i had um uh mikey out actually in my area which was pretty cool um and i'll i'll be going back out there actually to the south in a few months and maybe we'll we'll do an episode we'll do a traveling episode out there i don't know man we'll see only time will tell time has no friends. That means that everybody dies and we're all going to die one day. That's just part of how life is. So you might as well do whatever the fuck you want to do in the meantime, as long as you're not hurting anyone else and then you'll die sooner. <laughs> There's my advice uh, that I'll leave you with to end things off here. I I still don't have a fucking closing. Um, you know, we're going to load up the rocket ship and, and, shoot it off to the spandex planet and we'll all get gear made and wrestle each other and fake fight and, uh, in spandex. Uh, I don't know, man. Thanks for listening. Uh, hop on my Twitter at spandex pod. Give me a follow. Watch the, the footage of me getting need in my face and injuring myself. It's pretty entertaining. 
and uh, support support the cast. Uh, some shirts will be coming soon. Maybe some hats. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But again, guys, I, I just appreciate you listening every week. Uh, from Spandex Planet, this has been me.